PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 17th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with ice hockey player turned Aussie rules footballer Lucy Parrington, Canadian playing assistant coach Lara Hilmy, GB Swans coach Garth Nevin, plus our state league's footy rap with Lauren Hodgson, Aaron Russell, Alison Schiller and Matt Marsden. That's all coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 17th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, our third season of doing these podcasts and a quick reminder you can listen to this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings about quarter past six Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival that's digital radio in Melbourne or via the website rsn.net.au click on digital radio then Carnival. Our first guest on this week's show is someone who's represented Australia in ice hockey and now finds herself playing Aussie rules footy but in the USA. Her name is Lucy Parrington, and she joins us on the line. Lucy, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. Interesting history, a bit of ice hockey, a bit of Aussie rules. Albeit, you started your Aussie rules, I believe, back here in Melbourne. Well, um, probably an interesting way uh, in comparison to most uh, young female players. I was actually studying um, in the area of sports science, and uh, I started a PhD, um, and with that PhD, I started uh, working with a project that was hooked in with the Western Bulldogs Football Club, and because of that, uh, I started getting a little bit more interested in playing the sport myself, um, and yeah, just had a couple of friends drag me down to a couple of Melbourne University practices um, with the Muggers, and then, unfortunately, I had a couple of incidents where I broke my finger and then uh, broke my hand playing other sports. Uh, so I never started playing. Um, but then a couple of years after that, when I was injury-free, I uh, got taken down to the Port Melbourne Colts and started playing with them. And how did you find the transition from other sports into playing Aussie Rules? Was it just a natural transition for you? And uh, describe the type of football you were when you were playing at the Colts. Um, I think generally, like, athleticism-wise, I found it okay. A little bit more running than what I was used to. Uh, but there are some, definitely some interesting rules that I think coming from other sports where, for example, you're not allowed to throw interference or, or put a pick on somebody, um, made it challenging for me because I would always be passing the ball off and then trying to run straight into space instead of putting a shepherd on somebody. Um, so having to learn that was a, a big thing for me. Um, and yeah, the, as far as playing for the Colts, um, as soon as I got down to the club, like I realised that they just had a really good atmosphere and it was a really great group of girls, a really good um, pair of coaches that were down there as well. And yeah, just... I wanted to keep going back and keep playing, so um, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> and and what a great time it was to be there as well. I believe you were there during their uh, Division Two Premiership win just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I was. It was um, it was great. Like the, I mean, straight away the uh, with the first year that I played, the girls were already doing well, and I just played half a season then. Um, and then the next season, uh, 
on my girls kept on performing well and I was really happy that I could have been a part of it. Now, before we talk a little bit about Oregon, uh, one of the sports obviously popular in the US is ice hockey, not so much in Australia. So how did you end up being part of uh, the Melbourne Ice and then eventually the Australian women's ice hockey team? Uh, I guess when I was younger, I used to play pretty much every sport I could get my hands uh, onto. So uh, ice hockey just came up as one of those and... um, I think when I was sort of at the end of my years in junior school, I started going down ice skating fairly regularly. And uh, because I, I guess I'd been skating around fairly frequently, a couple of uh, other young girls came up to me and sort of said, oh, hey, we've seen you here a bit. Do you play ice hockey? And uh, when I said no, they were like, oh, well, do you want to come down and try it? So... um, I guess because I was so keen on playing every different sport at the time, I thought I'd give it a try and, yeah, kind of went went from there. Uh, my parents hated the idea of me playing, so they stopped me playing for about six months. And, <laughs> and then eventually, uh, because I kept on bugging them to let me play, they eventually let me go down and there was no turning back after that. Um, so that was, that was actually in Adelaide. Um, and then I moved across to Melbourne uh, in 2008 and started playing there. And I guess that's where the um, the Melbourne Melbourne team sort of uh, we started as the Melbourne Dragons and then uh, joined up with the Melbourne Ice. And yeah, so <laughs> it's been going strong since um, since we joined up with the Melbourne Ice. And I think the girls and Australia and in Melbourne would definitely be uh, glad to say that we've got the support of the boys in um, in that team. And, of course, understandably, your parents are concerned because there is that old saying, I went to a fight and an ice hockey game broke out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, I guess it's, it's a pretty physically demanding sport, um, but... I think these days um, the, the sport in itself, even in the, the men's leagues over in you know the US, the, the feeder leagues into the NHL and um, stuff like that, there's a lot of fighting that's been cut out of the, the sport um, to make it, well, I think for a number of different reasons, probably uh, make it a little bit more of a family environment. Um, but also probably uh, because of injuries and, and head injury based things. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty physical. I think my parents were worried about that. But um, you know, generally, uh, <laughs> it, I don't think it's as bad as people think. Um, <laughs> Well, of course, uh, as you said, you were playing ice hockey here in Melbourne. You were playing footy here in Melbourne, obviously work and study, etc. So how did you end up all of a sudden in the northwest of the United States in Portland, Oregon? Uh, I just decided to apply for a job over here. Um, I, I kind of thought of a time of my life where I have that opportunity to do it and I was just looking online at a range of jobs that were available and saw that sort of something that was directly in my field was here. And I'd been to Portland before on a, a conference trip and just really liked the 
of a place. Like it's got a great vibe. It's um, the people are, are really great. Uh, it's got some cool food culture, which I think coming from Melbourne <laughs> is pretty important. Um, and yeah, I just thought I'd shoot them through an email and asked if they would take international applicants. And when they said yes, I thought, well, might as well give it a try. And lo and behold, then it turned into an interview and now I'm here. So yeah, I just kind of stuck my foot out and this is what resulted. Now, it would have been understandable if the next we heard of you was, of course, playing ice hockey up there in the United States because it's, you know, uh, one of the uh, uh, native sports up there. So the, the question begs, did you even have Aussie rules on your mind when you went to the US and how did you stumble across a team called the Portland Sockeyes? Uh, I just was Googling um, Portland and, and football because... I guess at the at the time where I was moving over was when the I was thinking about moving over was when the inaugural um, women's ASL comp was starting and it really made me think, Oh, I'd love to still be playing football so I thought I would just yeah, have a look and see what was available and then saw that there was a team here, um, and was even more surprised to see that there was a like a women's group playing, so I yeah, I just sent an email through to the team and, um, uh, yeah, I guess just went from there um, and started talking to Heather and, and um, she was really great in kind of encouraging me to come down and, and yeah, have a kick. Um, so I did, pretty much. Once I, it's actually pretty much as soon as I got here, yeah, I decided to go down and just say hi. It's an eclectic bunch, isn't it, at Portland this year? Obviously, they've got the, the veterans such as Heather Serpico. They've got another Aussie and Simone Shepard there. Uh, you being a recruit, I guess, technically from an ice hockey background as well as Aussie rules, and obviously a couple of new Americans there as well, I believe, that have played roller derby and have now crossed over to playing Aussie rules. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I guess it uh, goes to show that like, if you've got well, – a sporting background or even if you don't have a sporting background like it's a sport that anybody can come down and, and give a try um, I think uh, it's it's kind of cool to see uh, on the weekend one of the girls who was playing in her first game um, from roller derby and uh, just sort of bumped someone off the ball and I was like yeah that's right <laughs> like, you just see that transfer of um, certain skills that come from one sport that can be used in another and um, and yeah but it's a, it's a great group of girls um, that are down there playing and I'm really glad that I could come down and, and join in and be a part of it. And of course you got to be a part of uh, their first carnival for the year, the Stump Down Throwdown in Portland. Uh, how did you find the experience playing for the first time uh, with the Sockeyes? And more importantly, because you played um, Division 4 and Division 2 football uh, back home in Melbourne, how do you find that standard compared to the American standard? Is there much of a gap? Uh, I would say it's a little bit hard to um, compare as far as the standard. There's like there's a number of girls that have uh, played obviously a little bit more over here um, and then there's a fair few new girls. So I would say comparison-wise, the, the skill level um, 
was actually like it was actually pretty pretty good in comparison to what I thought it might have been. Um, there's a uh, you know in in some areas there's a deficit of of skills and and knowledge about the game, but I think it seems to be made up by um, the passion for for playing that some of the girls have, and also the athleticism that maybe come from um, playing other sports over here. Um, the hard part about uh, playing over here is we actually played on probably what would be the equivalent of uh, a normal-sized football oval, and we only played with nine players. So um, you had to run a fair bit more, and um, you got fairly tired uh, pretty quickly. And I mean, I'd love to say that I'm fit enough to play in the midfield normally, but I'm probably not. But playing in the uh, in the midfield with only nine players was definitely a challenge on the weekend. Um, the tournament itself was really cool. Uh, both the they had guys, the guys down there, and the girls, and it was kind of like a carnival on the sideline with all the tents up and a barbecue going, which was really awesome. Um, pretty, uh, pretty interesting playing on like a an oval that's been made up um, for the game, though, as opposed to. You know, when you're walking around in Australia and kind of, or driving around in Australia, I should say, and, you know, every suburb's got uh, a football oval. Um, it's a little bit different over here. Um, so, yeah, that part was interesting. Our centre square was made out of, um, made from a set of cones that had uh, been placed around and things like that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was really good fun. Uh, it was, it was cool to be a part of and, um, I think everybody who was participating really enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah. So, what's the future plans for Lucy Parrington over in the United States? How long do you expect or hope to be over there for? And uh, we be planning to travel down with the Sockeyes to San Diego in October for the USAFL Nationals. Uh, so, I'm I'm definitely here for uh, the foreseeable future. Um, the, the contract that I want is for two years, so um, I'm here at least until then, and then I guess I'll see what happens after that. If, uh, obviously, being in the US, it's all visa dependent, so uh, if I manage to uh, get uh, another work contract, then I'll probably try and stick around for a little bit longer before eventually coming back to Melbourne. And as far as going down to San Diego, yeah, I um, really love the opportunity to play and I think I'm intrigued to see what it would uh, what it would be like and what it would entail sort of going down and playing at uh, their nationals competition um, so yeah I'm really quite keen to, to be involved well, Lucy, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Girls Play Footy and we wish you all the very best in your work endeavours and uh, playing with the Sockeyes throughout 2017 and beyond in the USAFL. No worries, Peter. Thank you very much for um, for reaching out and for the conversation this morning. Now, over the weekend, we had the London Footy Carnival where the Irish Banshees and GB Swans had a bit of a warm-up before IC17 in August and invited along for the tournament were the London All-Stars, essentially made up of uh, expat Aussies, and the Canada Midnight Suns, which is Canada's development team. And I've got on the line the playing assistant coach 
for the Canada Midnight Suns in Lara Hilmi. Lara, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy. And like we ask everyone who isn't a born and bred Aussie, uh, how did you first come across Australian rules football? Um, well, actually, I was living over in Sydney for a few years. Um, and when I arrived, I arrived sort of around the beginning of September, managed to get some tickets to um, an AFL Grand Final, which I wasn't really sure what that was. But I uh, went down and watched um, Hawthorne, and Sydney game, and that was, you know, back in 2012 when Sydney was actually successful. Um, so I came back to Sydney looking for a club. I played a bit of rugby and soccer growing up, so I thought AFL would, you know, kind of fit well where sort of my skills were. So found a great club in Sydney and sort of played four seasons with them before moving back here in January. You end up finding the UTS Shamrocks. Now, let's say you win okay. First season, if I'm correct, Rookie of the Year and Club Best and Fairest. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did okay. I think, as I said, coming from a rugby background, it was, um, you know, I wasn't wasn't shy of a bit of contact. So I think I just sort of put those skills to work in the midfield, and um, yeah, it seemed to work out for me and, and for my team. And for you, it was an ideal build-up as well. Before we talk about uh, some success you had at the UTS Shamrocks, but a build-up for you for 2014 because you played with the Canadian team, the Northern Lights, in the AFL International Cup 2014 series. I did, yes. Um, so that was again, you know, playing over in Sydney. Someone said to me, "Well, you know, are you going to play with the Canadian team when they come out for the international cup?" And I think that was in January of 2014, and I actually had no idea up until that point that they even played ASL in Canada. Um, so, sort of got in contact with um, with Jason and the guys at ASL Canada, and sort of said I was in Australia, you know, there to support if they needed water runners or whatever it was. And, you know, over a couple of months got, you know, picked up as an alternate for the team. And then, you know, as things go with injuries and whatnot, um, actually got pulled in to play with the girls in August. So that was a really great um, learning experience and, you know, got me really excited to, um, you know, eventually head back to Canada and, and play with some of those girls there. Now, just before you headed back at the start of the year, you had one final season at the UTS Shamrocks. What a way to go out taking out the <laughs> AFL Sydney Division One Premiership! Yeah, it, it was a it was yeah definitely a memorable season for us. Um, yeah, over the four seasons I played with them, you know, we had a couple of years where we we got beat out by the same team um, in the finals. That was just heartbreaking. Um, so last year, you know, went undefeated through through the season, and the girls worked really hard for that. So to walk away with a premiership was yeah, it was definitely a, a highlight of of my footy, footy career, and um, you know, something that, that that I can share with the girls I played with there, um, you know, for for the rest of our lives. So. Good memory, good football memory, that's for sure. Now, I've read a little bit about you. They say you're clean with your hands. I said you're good on a one-on-one battle. How would you describe yourself as a footballer? And just to paint the picture for everyone, what role would you normally play? Um, so when I first started playing, was more um, on the halfback line um, and then eventually sort of moved into the midfield. But um, I, I still very much play kind of a, a defensive role in the midfield, um, just hard at the ball, not scared to put my head over the ball, although um, in the last game on Sunday, um, did take a knee to the head, so that didn't feel too great. Um, but yeah, just, just I think, an aggressive aggressive role on, on the field and coming from rugby, lots of tackling, um, not, you know, scared to be that inside player every time. So that's kind of the role I tend to tend to take on the field. What club did you end up selecting when you headed back to Canada? And I think in particular went to the Toronto area. Yeah, so I'm going to be playing uh, my first season with the Etobicoke Roos. 
Um, so that would be playing with, um, or playing under, I should say, uh, Greg Everett, who's the head coach there. Um, and he's also one of the coaches for the Northern Lights as well. So um decided to, to join his club and get a bit of coaching from him um, with the lead-up to IC. And also there's a couple of IC players um, from that club. So just sort of a good good chance to, to get to know some of the girls locally and, and then, you know, go on to play with them in Australia as well. I think you were speaking with Nicola Kerwin uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. It'll be it'll be a change, um, you know, that the the league back home in or back in Canada is definitely growing, but obviously a lot different to, to playing in Sydney. You're, you're generally playing sort of twelve or five games um, versus eighteen. So um, our first game's uh, towards the end of this month, so we'll see how that goes. But the uh, the Tomoko are, are the reigning premiers. Um, not the reason I joined the club, but uh, as I said, just joined to be able to get a bit of time with Greg and, and the rest of the girls going to IC. And, of course, uh, you joined the Midnight Suns as a playing assistant coaching role. Uh, were you given a line coach responsibility? Were you looking after fence, midfield, et cetera? Yeah, so Jason Arnold, um, so the head coach for both the Lights and the Suns, um, he had Amy Legault and I um, helping out with the midfield. Uh, so it was a really good learning opportunity for both of us, um, you know, to sort of step into that coaching role and get, get involved with, um, you know, decisions around around the lineup and, you know, all of the stuff that goes along with, with being a coach off the field as well. Um, so on the, you know, for the actual games, we would um, work with Jason and Greg, and we also had um, Robert Palmer, who was our defensive coach there as well. Uh, so working with those guys to pull together the lineup, um, but then our role sort of on, on game day, we were we were actually playing as well. So, um, you know, at quarter time, Amy and I would, would take the girls aside and, and, you know, have a bit of a chat to the midfield team. So it was a really good learning experience, um, you know, both as a player, but also um, as both Amy and I are looking to kind of step into that, that coaching role, you know, once our bodies decide we're, we're not able to play anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a great, great weekend overall for, you know, for us, but also for, the, for our team that we brought along. You know, AFL London, AFL Europe put on a great carnival. So it was a really good learning opportunity for, for new players, but also a good chance, I think, for, you know, for from the players from Great Britain and from Ireland that, you know, are, are going to be heading down to ISD. Um, good chance to sort of play at a higher level than, than you get at club land. Now, let's go through uh, each of the three games that uh, you played in over the weekend, your thoughts on those matches and, and some of the better players. Um, you got off to a great start on the Friday evening where you beat the London All-Stars, which essentially is uh, the Aussie players over in the UK, and I think it was a French woman and a, and a Kiwi in there as well. Uh, you beat them 7-7 to 3-3. Yeah, I mean... Overall performance, we were really happy with the girls throughout the weekend. So, yeah, as you said, first game, we got off on a high. Um, the girls came out firing, and I think we even were a bit surprised by ourselves, you know, the results after even just the first quarter. Um, but we, we definitely walked off, off the field on Friday feeling really really good, really strong, really happy with a lot of the, the new girls that hadn't necessarily played, even at a Suns level, uh, you know, how they played or sort of how they were able to sort of step up. Um, and then, yeah, going on, going to Saturday, um, I think we sort of got a bit ahead of ourselves after the win on Friday. So uh, the Saturday's loss against Ireland was a bit more of a wake-up call. Um, and I think, you know, as I said, a lot of the new girls realized that, you know, playing at this, playing at a higher level is, is completely different. And I think they got caught a bit flat-footed and, um, you know, a little bit behind their player. Um, you know, the Irish, Irish team are great. You know, they're an absolute great side. Um, obviously played off against them in IC14, and, and you know, and no doubt IC17 are going to be strong contenders for that title as well. Um, they, they, I know, you know, they had even half their team that are going to be coming to IC17, so they're, they're definitely ones to watch. But um, 
been going on to Sunday. I think you know Saturday evening we had um, Amy Legault, who's you know veteran veteran player, and she's captain of the lights. She gave the girls a bit of a pep talk, and you know, come Sunday morning, the girls showed up ready to play, and we were, we were really proud of you know the intensity and the heart that the girls brought to the field, and you know, obviously even prouder to walk away with a win against the, the home team of the GB Swans. To explain that turnaround, you'd been beaten on Saturday by the Banshees, three four twenty two to one behind. Flip it on Sunday, two six eighteen to the GB Swans. You kept them scoreless on their home turf. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty phenomenal. And I said there's, you know, a few players that, that really sort of stood out, you know, not just in that game, but throughout the weekend. We had um, Natalie Dueco, who's our ruck. And I would say, you know, she probably won majority of the head outs throughout the whole weekend. She was really, really strong in the ruck. Um, but also just around the ground, she's got great marking skills as well. She's, you know, quite a tall player. So, so um, you know, having her in there, she she played out pretty much the ruck for, you know, three full games. So, pretty impressive um and you know she's she's not even someone that's you know been been named on on a light squad um but definitely has the ability to be playing at that level um we had um a a midfield amanda Irwin, who you know it's only her second year of football but she was absolutely fantastic around the ground you know racking up the possessions across three games as well as i think she got goals in in all three games as well um and then up front we had uh nicole robertson um who you know, she's absolutely courageous with her marking skills up, uh, up the front. Great target, really aggressive at the ball. So those three girls, um, you know, really stood out to us. And, um, you know, we did a bit of a presentation on, on Sunday evening and, you know, their teammates, um, you know, nominated them as their sort of top three players players. And, you know, and that was the same sentiment um, from the coaching group as well. So, um, you know, the carnival was a, was a great opportunity for some, some newer players to really step up and, and, you know, and show their skills. And I think I think a lot of them really did. And how did you find the experience yourself from from a coaching perspective? Um, it was a really good learning opportunity for me. Um, being involved, you know, and Jason, I think might have been back in sort of December or January. Um, we first chatted about um, the possibility of me coming along as kind of a player coach role, and I was really excited for that. So, um, you know, being involved in it from you know over the last six months and um, working with the girls and sort of mentoring I guess it's you know a group of them um I learned a lot as a, as a player as well um and I mean you know with coaching there's all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes so you know trying to trying to kind of rally the girls especially after the loss on Saturday just to keep them all engaged for Sunday um yeah it's it's it was a really really good learning experience for me as a player and of course, since we mentioned earlier that you'd recently been playing in the Sydney competition, you've got, I guess, a good comparison of, of current Australian standard football versus uh, women overseas playing Aussie rules. How did you find the standard of competition amongst London All-Stars, GB Swans and the Irish Banshees on the weekend? Um, I'd say, I mean, in, in, in terms of the Australian, the Australian comp, um, you know, Sydney, Sydney and sort of New South Wales are still a, a little bit behind um, you know, Victorian, mm-hmm. Victorian or South Australian leagues, but um, I would say that you know the talent that w- was out there uh, over the weekend, you know, would be able to compete with some of those Sydney teams for sure. Um, I, I must say, like the, the physicality of all three games was was really, you know, they're really three really tough games. Um, you know, watching some of the footage yesterday, and you know, there's just bodies flying everywhere. Um, but it was really great to see. You know, that nobody's nobody's scared to to put their head down and and you know and go in there for those inside balls. So I'm excited for IC because I, I know you know between 
Great Britain and Ireland and obviously us as well, none of us were playing with our sort of, you know, first teams, we'll say. Um, so I think IC17, you know, will be an even more talented group of players that are um, coming together to compete against each other than what you would have even seen in IC14. So, you know, obviously the sport's growing in Australia, but, you know, the development's really happening in Australia, but it's also happening um, in a lot of other countries as well. Is it hard to try and keep a lid on things, considering you're now just two months out from uh, August from IC17 in Melbourne? Is the excitement starting to bubble over? Um, I think, personally, this weekend was you know got me even more excited to come and play. This weekend was the first time I played um, since the grand final, since my grand final in September. So um, it got me really, really excited for IC IC17 and. Um, you know, a, a couple of the girls that will be coming for IC17. Um, I know that they're sort of feeling the same way, and we had a lot of our girls, you know, back home watching, watching the Suns playing on on um, AFL Canada YouTube. And I think everyone's just really excited just to get to Australia and play. You know, the girls have have put in a lot of hard work. We had a training camp a couple of weeks ago, and you know, everyone's fitness is looking really great. So I think it's just a matter of making sure that we get through our club club games um, in the lead up to it without injuries. If if Jason could I think you know he always says he would wrap us all in cotton wool and just ship us off to Australia early but um no I think everyone's just really looking forward to to getting there and sort of you know showing everyone the hard work that we've been putting in well Laura thank you very much for joining us here on (laughs) girls play footy and uh, we certainly wish you uh an enjoyable time while you're still there in London enjoying the sights and then of course uh in a couple of months when you come back to Australia for Melbourne for IC17 Thank you very much. Another one of the sides that played at the London Footy Carnival were the GB Swans. It was their last real competitive hit-out before heading to Melbourne in August for the AFL International Cup. I've got on the line the head coach of the GB Swans in Garth Nevin. Garth, thank you very much for joining us. And as I said, a a good chance, wasn't it, for the Swans to have a hit-out and iron out a few bugs before the big tournament that occurs in August? Yeah, no, definitely. We really enjoyed it. So, yeah, we had a a mixed squad, really. We had our first day... our main kind of player core base of players and then the second day we brought in about six or seven uh, development uh, players so yeah no it was a really good weekend overall so let's flash back um, what has training been like uh, since uh, the end of the European Championships in August which you defeated the uh, the Irish then it's been a good uh, what has it been nine months since this tournament rolled around what have you been doing to I guess keep the squad together in between obviously the standard club commitments that the players had yeah so I mean we've had a training and trial weekend um, we've entered as many tournaments as possible to get game experience um, a lot of our girls are playing, as I said, with their own clubs. Um, so, you know, we've been in touch. We've done feedback forms. We've been fortunate enough to have one of our assistant coaches out playing with the Western Bulldogs with the AFL women's competition. Um, and she was able to share some of the formats of the feedback she got as a player for the Bulldogs. So we've done a, we've followed the same kind of pattern and done a lot of that for our own players. So uh, they've been able to assess their own game, their own strengths and weaknesses. And then through the tournaments and when they've come to training sessions and, and, and these kind of weekends, we're able to sit down with them one-to-one uh, as a coaching group um, and then give them feedback and tell them on how to develop their game further and, and, and to the style of play that we want to play. Of course, coming yeah, in... It's been quite busy. It's been good. Of course, uh, coming into this uh, London Footy Carnival, um, as we said, a couple of interesting opponents. Uh, the first one you took on the London Footy uh, All Stars, so there's a chance for uh, the uh, the the British-born girls to take on a combination of the players they normally play with, the Australians, uh, uh, Kiwis, and French. 
Yeah, and of course, earlier in the year, I think on our trial weekend, we actually had a bit of a scratch match on the second day um, against the London All-Stars, and they managed to pip us, I think, by a point or two points. So um, it was a really good chance to kind of put back together all our practice and, and our tour squad um, and see what we could do. So, uh, yeah, we, we were quite comfortable in that game. Uh, they got ruffled the night before by Canada, um, and we came out. We knew what to kind of expect. We know they're better players because they're well-known to us. Um, so we just stuck to our game plan, and, and we really saw that game out. I was really happy with the first game. I asked the girls to kind of, you know, go out hard from the beginning, and, and they did, and, and we seemed to put that scoreboard pressure on quite a lot, actually. About a four-goal win in the end over the London All-Stars, and then uh, later in the day you had the grudge match, yourself and the Irish Banshees, and, of course, you'd gotten the better of the Irish by a goal um, in the uh, AFL European Championships the year before. Um, you would have expected them to come out firing to try and square the ledger. So yeah, well, again, uh, earlier before our game, they had just pipped Canada, uh, Canada themselves, so... Um, we we seem to know and match up very well against Ireland because we understand their quick style of play. Um, we know where their better players are at as well um, and who we need to be aware of and where they are. Um, so I think you know, telling the girls to make sure we play it at our pace and to make sure that they can't run on and play on at all costs. Um, the girls have to be really reactionary and, and also move the ball ourselves quite quickly because we know Ireland like to flood back and they try and get there in numbers and work. So... If we can kick over them before they get in, you know, we can back our pace and back our girls' skills. So um, they, it was a bit of a hard, tough match to start off with. I asked the girls to be patient. You know, I said that it's not, it's not going to come straight away. But I did say to the girls, you know, I know they've been working hard outside, off the, you know, outside the scenes on their fitness um, and strength. And I just thought, you know, listen, if we chip away, we keep going, play our game, uh, we'll, we'll catch them and we'll overrun them in the end. And that's exactly what we did. I mean, um, the Canada coach and the Canada team left at about half time, thinking, oh, Ireland are up here. They've got this in the bag. And, um, you know, the last quarter we managed to ply on at least two goals, something to get up by seven or eight points. So, yeah, no, really happy with the performance. I told the girls be patient and that's exactly what they did. The one goal winners again for uh, GB Swans over the Irish, uh, constantly torturing them. Uh, and then, of course, you headed into Sunday against uh, Canada's development side, the Midnight Suns. Now, the result would have caused a few people by surprise. 2-6-18 to no score, the Midnight Suns getting the uh, wood over you. But there is a bit of an explanation behind this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm really happy with the result and the learning curve that we had. Um, I think we need to be gracious in defeat. And I think Canada played well. They really came out uh, and showed their ascendancy from the beginning. Um, it was a real good learning curve for uh, my ladies just because of the way Canada play and they approach it. They're very, very physical, even off the ball. Um, and I think it just kind of shook our girls up a bit. And I, we, we expected that kind of tussle, but they just... The girls had took a while to get into it, and I think when there was a bit of a wind down one end, and when we had the wind, we didn't put obviously enough pressure on, and we just couldn't get it through. We had it in our forward line, we had enough entries. Um, the coaches that watched it, and I spoke to afterwards, said they were really impressed how my girls were first at the ball, uh, and also our tackling pressure was immense. So I think it was just we lacked that finishing power at the up front. Um, we had a few developmental uh, young. Uh, girls in our squad as well so we we invited another seven probably newbies that have probably never played for GB before on the Sunday uh, we had a few injuries on the Saturday but that, I mean that's all comes with football doesn't it so I'm not really making any excuses but I think in terms of how that's taught us what to expect come the IC uh, and you know that's certainly what people are saying is it's you know another level again uh, we just need to be clever to that but also play our brand and then get firing up forward so yeah pretty happy with that. And I guess that's the important thing, not only for your squad, but for all the teams. It's that depth because you're playing uh, five matches in the space of 
I think, 12 days when you uh, come across to Melbourne in August. Yeah, no, definitely. So the girls are aware of that. And it's, it's treating their bodies right. It's doing all the things in between. It's the warm downs, it's the stretching. Um, but it's being up and ready for that that game. So, uh, you know, we've got a good behind-the-scenes team in terms of coaching and physios and things like that that are really helpful. Uh, and I couldn't ask anything more of them. They're, they're great. So uh, I think we're all in prep for the IC. And I think it's good to, that we've had that loss because it also gives that, the girls the feeling of, you know, what it feels like. Um, and I said, you know, well, that means that, you know, whatever attitude they go in with, you know, they're still the hunted, not not us. You know, if we had a one Sunday, I would have thought, oh, there would have been higher, high, high expectations of us. And I think we can go in there still a bit unknown. Um, yeah, and we can match it with, I guess, any team there, hopefully. In your mind, who stood out for the GB Swans over the weekend and who do you felt uh, race to another level uh, playing at this level of competition? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, in the Saturday, uh, we had our consistent team there, and uh, we tried to say, oh, some standout players at the end of Saturday, and the coaching team got together, um, and we just couldn't pull anyone out. You know, I think everyone in the team really has progressed. The the skill level, the desire, the fitness, everybody's working quite hard. So, um, yeah, I was just totally impressed by the entire squad. And then on the Sunday... Um, you know our, our usuals and our, and our leadership group were, were fantastic. Um, you know some of our core defenders and, and, and you know were just so strong um, and did everything they could. But the new girls, you know, they all stood up. They all enjoyed it. You know, they all left even though the result was the way it was. Every girl, I think, there or the ladies in our team were they were all really happy and enjoyed the experience. And I think that was something I was hoping to build on. You know, I want them to take that away and then have that desire. And I've had many messages already since Sunday saying, "Oh, what can I work on? How you know what can I do?" And you know, we were really it's really important for us to get back to those girls and to keep that kind of positive attitude and outlook and and, and the progression to the, whenever the next time is we get together. Uh, excluding the London All-Stars for the moment, the, the two other sides you took on essentially are representing countries that squared off in the 2014 IC Cup final, albeit it was Canada's development side this time around, the Midnight Suns, but they did have two Northern Lights players in there in uh, Hilmi yep. and Legault. Uh, the Irish Banshees did have a couple of development or London-based players join them who won't be travelling across to Melbourne. But still, from what you saw and that standard that Canada and Ireland represented, uh, how far do you think the GB Swans are off from being a serious threat for a tilt at the title in August? Well, the talk on definitely Saturday night after we did Ireland again really was that, wow, you know, if we get the favourable draw come IC, you know, if Ireland and I ourselves avoid each other kind of come semi-finals, we, we honestly believe both of us can get to that final. Um, I think Ireland have taught us a lot about a different style of game and then I think Canada even this weekend have taught us kind of what to expect from other teams. As I said, I think we had a lot of the ball dominated the game. We just didn't put forward pressure on and didn't put scores on. You know, no disrespect to Canada. They played great and they finished the game very well. Um, but yeah, I think it was just the inexperience of some of my girls really showed. Um, you know, this was their first game. They, you know, those seven that came on a Sunday weren't there on the Saturday either. So, you know, we're talking about girls that have literally walked in, you know, been to a few training sessions, have trained, but just the knowledge and the game awareness just wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we can put a good tilt on. Um, as I said, I, I don't want to talk it up because I'd rather the girls blow away everyone's expectations and it, it's really there for them to, to show the world, really, how, how where they are and where they stand. And, um, yeah, I'll, I'm just proud to kind of 
kind of put the juggle, the pieces of the you know puzzle together uh, with my other coaches, and we'll see how they get on. Uh, for the Canadians, the Irish, and uh, also to be fair, the Americans as well with the USA Freedom Team, because they'll be going into now, I think their third IC campaign. They're they're able to gain a rough idea of where this squad is at, whether it's been through these uh, practice or carnival matches and training. Uh, this, of course, is the GB Swans' first IC campaign. Do you have a rough idea of where your squad's at? Are you happy with how it's progressed? Are you a little behind, a little forward uh, before you're heading to Melbourne in two months? Uh, a, I think it's really hard to tell. I mean, we've got the men's team that uh, have been for the last couple of ICs. So in terms of our setup, we're all one big group and one, you know, one thing together. And the boys are really supportive of the girls and vice versa. So, yeah, I think, you know, obviously we always could be stronger. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's always room for improvement. I don't ever think we're the best. Um, and, and we need to go out there and, and, and do that. We need to prove ourselves, prove to ourselves that we are good. We have to have faith in one another. Um, and then when we play whoever opposition it is, I think we see them for who they are and, and we'll give them their merits. But actually, do you know what? They'll be the hunted, you know, and we'll, we'll do all the hunting we can do. And I think we'll, we'll take on a good challenge. Well, Garth, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and uh, we wish you all the very best with the remaining training sessions over the next few weeks and then, of course, uh, the flight down to Melbourne uh, at the start of August to take part in IC17. Cheers, Peter, and look forward to meeting you in person. Time to head around the various state leagues. Let's go across to the WAWFL where it was round seven. And on the Saturday, the Coastal Titans in the match of the round 5-5-35, defeating East Fremantle 1-6-12. East Perth did not get on the scoreboard in their loss against West Perth 21-18-144. Claremont 14-13-97 defeated the Perth Angels 2-3-15. And Swan Districts 15-6-96 showed some authority over South Fremantle 1-6. The Pill Thunderbirds with the bye. Round 8 is all Sunday games. 2pm starts this weekend. Perth Angels host the Thunderbirds at Carlisle Reserve. Coastal Titans host Swan Districts at Grenville Reserve. Uh, West Perth host South Fremantle at HBF Arena. And uh, Claremont host East Fremantle. So let's go across to the Tasmanian Women's Football League where Round 3 occurred on the weekend. And Bernie 2-1-13 were defeated by Launceston 3-5-23. While the Tigers Football Club 2 straight 12 went down to Clarence 7951. For this round, round four, Bernie have the bye on Sunday, 12 p.m. Clarence host Glenorchy at Gelston Bay Oval, while at 12 p.m. at Windsor Park, Launceston hosts the Tigers. Time to head up now to Sydney for the latest women's footy news, and we've got on the line our reporter in Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Now, a break from Sydney Women's Premier Division for last weekend. Yeah, we saw the uh, both the men's and women's team have their representative fixture uh, a little bit earlier than normal. And uh, both teams travelled up to uh, Tumbiumbi on the Central Coast to play uh, the Black Diamond uh, League for their rep games. AFL Sydney versus the Black Diamond AFL. How did that pan out? Yeah, look, in the women's game, uh, I think it went to an extent as expected uh, with AFL Sydney winning. Um, the margin may have been a little bit more than and some people were thinking. Uh, the final score being AFL Sydney 10-12-72 to Black Diamond 1-4-10. So a 62-point win there uh, to the AFL Sydney side. Um, look, it was, it was a fairly strong team um, from AFL Sydney, uh, well represented by, uh, you know, UNSW Stingrays and and Sydney Uni, who are obviously the, the top two teams uh, in the comp. 
Um, but yeah, look, the Sydney side uh, were never headed throughout the day and, and just played strong right throughout the match. Um, the captain, uh, Phoebe Monaghan, uh, played a, a pivotal role and really led from the midfield um, and put in a fantastic performance. Uh, and up forward, we saw a couple of multiple goal kickers uh, for the AFL Sydney side. You know, Jasmine Smith uh, and Laura Holdsworth both kicking two each. Uh, and, and the best on for Sydney uh, were, again, as I mentioned before, uh, the captain Monaghan, Jasmine Smith, um, Clegg, Melissa Freckleton, uh, Ford and Jan- Genevieve. Uh, so, you know, a, a great result there by the Sydney women. And uh, having lost their rep game last year in a close and low-scoring encounter in Canberra, uh, I'm sure they'd be happy to get a win on the board, um, especially being on the road as well. So um, a, a really uh, strong performance on Saturday by the Sydney women. And beyond the result itself, of course, uh, the women in that match keen to impress the recruiters for the GWS Giants for when the draft rolls around in October. Oh, look, I definitely think so. Um, that would obviously have to be in some of the players' minds, I think. Um, and it's a match that uh, you'd have to think the recruiters would be looking at all the games that are around the country uh, of the different leagues, um, you know, going into the second season of the AFLW. So I'm sure there would have been uh, players out there to impress and also people uh, keeping an eye on eye on them. And um, look, it was a... You know, a, a live-streamed game, but it's also something that for those that missed it, um, that want to sort of go back and, and relive the highlights, or maybe for those recruiters that weren't able to be there in person, uh, they can um, go and view the footage and uh, check out uh, some of the current stars and uh, potential future stars. That, of course, on YouTube, just search for Bar TV Sports. Uh, let's have a look at Round 7 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Uh, that's this week, and it can Kicks off 10 a.m. Saturday at Pick and Oval, the Wolves and Macquarie University. Yeah, look, I think Mac Uni will continue on their winning run and have a win over the Wolves there. Um, but I think that, that'll be a close one. Uh, I think the Uni will get over line, as I said, maybe by about three to four goals there. 1pm, Gawley Oval, Saturday, Southern Power hosting the Newtown Breakaways. Yeah, look, Powell will be looking to get back on the winner's board, um, having lost their last two against uh, UTS and Mahuni. Uh, Newtown obviously wanting to get on the winner's board, um, having uh, not won a game yet. However, I think Power uh, playing at home uh, will get the win there and um, and and should be a, a close contest, but power there. Uh, at Sydney Uni Oval, number one, uh, the Bombers hosting UTS Shamrocks. Yeah, look, Bombers are on top of the ladder there, so I think uh, they'd be expected to have a good win over the Shamrocks at home. And at Henson Park, 12pm Sunday, the reigning premiers, uh, UNSW Eastern Suburbs Stingrays, hosting the Auburn Penrith Giants. I think this is going to be a really interesting match. Um, I think the Stingrays will, will have a strong win, uh, you know, by maybe six or so goals. Uh, but I think we're going to see a, a really uh, competitive uh, side from the Giants. Um, you know, I think they're going to, they've been playing some good footy over the last few weeks. Uh, they're in the top four for the first time in the Premier Division. Uh, so whilst I think Stingrays will will have a good win. Um, I think it's going to be a really uh, good game and it'll be a bit of a, um, I 
suppose it'll it'll be a, a good thing for the other teams and also the Giants to see how far they've come uh, this season um, as a combined side. So it'll be a good one to watch. Well, that wraps things up for the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division for yet another week. Lauren, thank you very much for joining us, and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Thanks, Peter. Time to have a look at the UNSW Canberra Women's League, and there was a round one game that was delayed until last Thursday. That was played between the Gangalan Jets and Balcona Magpies. The Jets 6-10-46, defeating the Balcona Magpies 2-8-20. No regular competition on the weekend due to representative football. Uh, local footy continues uh, with a round 15 game brought forward for this Thursday night at Greenway Oval, where the ADFA RMC Rams host the Tungradong Hawks 7 p.m. Start Thursday, and uh, then we get back to the football proper on round seven occurring this weekend. 10 a.m. at Allen Ray Oval on the Saturday. Ainsley Tricolors host Riverine Alliance. 10 a.m. Saturday South Oval ANU Griffins host the ADFA Rams. 12 p.m. Saturday Clark Oval Cootamundra Blues host the Quimbian Tigers. 12 p.m. Saturday Kingston Oval Eastlake Demons host the Gungalan Jets. And 10 a.m. Sunday at Sterling 101 the Malongolo Juggernauts host the Balkan Magpies. Tugwanong Hawks with the bye. Time to find out what's happening in the Bond University QWAFL, and we've got on the line our regular reporter in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Great, thanks, Peter. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. Great to have you on the line again. A couple of games to talk about. Uh, first of all, let's head to uh, Cooperoo at Giffen Park and uh, the Kings' uh, comfortable winners over Marucci Door. Yeah, they're starting to put, put together some good footy. Um, they, they, the, the girls that have come across, they picked up this year are also starting to gel, um, with the original mix. Some of their youngsters, um, that are, that have gone away, or they did, sorry, didn't go away, um, and then filled in, filled in the ranks, uh, played pretty well as well. Um, but yeah, they, they put together some good footy and another learning curve from Richardor and away game for them. So, um, yeah, they'll, they'll keep learning as they go. But what really impressed me was Ali Anderson, uh, Lions player, um, just just racked up touches, countless countless touches all day. So um, she's probably probably her best game for the side so far today. 13-9-87 to one three nine. the result there. Uh, another game uh, for the Zilmere Eagles. The tough season continues at uh, Callaghan Park. Uh, didn't get on the scoreboard. UQ Red Lions, 17-11-113. Yeah, look, um, again, uh, yeah, as, as we've already talked about, quite, quite aware it's going to be um, a big learning curve for, for Zilmere this year. Um, but, um, you know, don't, don't, don't take anything away from UQ. And I think UQ are starting to put Put a few things together. Um, I think I mentioned last week they're a pretty, pretty small side and um, they've got some really, really classy smaller players, but I think it's really going to be their key. UQ to have a chance this year and, and really be dangerous in finals. Um, it's it's going to be up to those those key position players uh, like Shani Webb and, and Hildebrand to, to really be playing and performing well um, you know, week in, week out. And I think uh, on the weekend, the girls were most of the damage were, were those smalls. Uh, a game that occurred at uh, Coolangatta Tweed Peak Oval. Now, Chase final result of two three fifteen Coolangatta Tweed, Yoronga South of Brisbane four two twenty six. But if I'm correct, the points were split. Can you tell us what happened in that game? Yeah, look, um, you know, it, was, it was sort of the match that everyone had been waiting for. Um, you know, we washed out in round one. They didn't get to play each other. Um, this this is the first time the the two premiers got to play each other this year, and 
Um, the match got called off. Uh, Alex Hamlin, uh, the co-captain uh, for Colin Gatter, broke her leg um, two places, Tibia and Tibia. So really, really unlucky. Um, really unlucky for Alex. She's 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 a top, um, you know, class player, uh, good key key player, courageous player, and and not only that, but she's really quality person as well. So um, you hate to hear those stories to anyone, but particularly someone like Alex. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, she has a has a speedy recovery there and uh, the rest of the footy world in Queensland is going to have to wait until I believe round 16 now before these two guys will meet each other again so um, yeah not not ideal Uh, certainly not, and obviously we wish her all the very best in her recovery and uh, hope that she's uh, back out there sooner rather than later and uh, rest easy if you're listening. Uh, Wilston Grange having the bye, and that concludes round seven. Let's get your tips for uh, round eight because you were looking like you were going to be on the money before that uh, game was uh, stopped halfway. Uh, let's have a look here at the game between Yoronga South Brisbane, UQ Red Lions. That's 3 p.m. at Leishon Park on Saturday. Yeah, look, there's, there's, there's probably there's been a, a fair few uh, blowouts, I guess, so far this season. There hasn't really been, let's be honest, a lot of lot of really good quality close matches. Um, there's been in a couple, but but not as many as, as last year. This round could shape up to be, um, you know, some some really good quality games coming through. I'm really expecting this game. Um, you know, I think I think University. Uh, look, look, they could they could catch uh, Yoronga at a good time here. If there any chance, it could be this week. Um, here reports uh, Rachel Anstey um, is playing, coming back and playing a game for for UQ. Uh, she hasn't played in two years. Used to play uh, for Zilmir, the Ruckman. Again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, UQ have been missing those small, uh, been missing the tall, um, and they've got limited stocks there. So. You know, if there to be any shot, I, I really, really, you're really wanting and expecting you know, the likes of Hildebrand and, and Webb and Anstey to have really quality games. Um, it's hard, hard to tip against Yoronga here. I'm, I'm, I'm tipping Yoronga um, to win. Sabrina's been, been a lot to handle. Whether Hildebrand goes to her or not, I think it's probably a wise move. Probably the only move you, could, you can play there. But um, I'm tipping Yoronga. Uh, by, by about 20, 20 points, yeah. And the league have actually made it well because that game starts at three and then starting at 4.45. So if you drive from one ground to the other, you might miss the first quarter, but you'll get at least most of the game. Uh, Corporate Kings hosting Coolangatta Tweed at Giffen Park, 4.45. Yeah, look, this will be this is the other one. Um, I was talking about this round. I think this could be, again, a, a really could be an evening contest. So... Look, uh, obviously, with Alex going down, um, co-captain and, and really important player structurally for Corwin Gatter, uh, been playing centre half forward, and um, she's, she's she's obviously been really quality up there. Known goal kicker, great set of hands, um, and, and obviously really good leadership as well. Um, she should be sorely missed, really sorely missed. Um, Cooper is starting to put things together. Uh, was a bit concerned about their first couple of rounds, but I really think that they're they're putting putting things together now. Um, those Zuma girls are finding their feet in the side. Wushner's, you know, been been playing really well uh, up forward, and, and they're start up, starting to play her more forward than than down back. Uh, sorry, than in the middle now. So really liking that. Um, look, it, it could go either way, but I'm actually tipping uh, Cooperu in, in a close one here. And the other game, of course, uh, Wilston Grange in form uh, hosting uh, the Zumir Eagles at Bendigo Bank Oval. Yeah, exactly. So Wilson had the bye last week. Um, 
I think they'll be they'll be coming out uh, and they'll be itching to play some really quality football. And they they've been a rejuvenated side this year, and they've been they've been good to watch. They've got some some quality players in their side. Um, and I, I look, I think they'll be too strong for for Zilmir, uh, on the weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, we'll 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 probably say I'd pick, but I think this could be fifty sixty plus. And Marucci Dor having the bye. Aaron, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you next week to talk more Bond University QWAFL. No worries. Thanks for your family. Time to talk women's footy in SA. And I've got on the line from the Two Crows podcast, Alison Schiller. Alison, how are you? Very good. Thank you, Peter. Yourself? Not bad at all. You must be feeling excited, though, because finally, Community Footy, the Adelaide Footy League, which was the old SAWFL Division 1, finally gets underway. Well, thank goodness for that. We've been aching for that to start over here, um, just waiting to see the future stars come on in the local league. Well, we have had all the other divisions up and rolling now, and they're up to about round four. But um, as of Sunday, we're getting the, the six teams of the local league. They're going to start cracking in, which will be a great thing. Well, I know there's a bit of SA footy news around, but let's jump into the local footy league stuff first. Six-team competition this year. Yes, yes, it is. So uh, we've got the Port Adelaide Magpies. We've got the Salisbury Magpies who are actually going to play each other there. So a battle of the birds to see which one comes in there. And then later on, we've also got the reigning champs, reigning premiers, the Morphy Roos, which, of course, is almost the second uh, club for the Adelaide women's uh, team. And they're going to be facing off against their uh, rivals, the West Adelaide. So that will be good to see as well and to see how the players step up in there. And then we finish off with Adelaide Uni and the Modbury Hawks going head-to-head to round up on Sunday to finish off the round. All games Sunday, 3pm. And it's a bit difficult, I guess, to give a prediction, isn't it, Alison, going into the first round? Because uh, I think news that you've heard that the Adelaide Crows uh, women's players may not be playing necessarily in this first weekend of competition. Yeah, that's correct. Um, looking at the data that the Crows website's put out, it says they won't be available for their local clubs or local sports until after the May the 31st, which, of course, the game's on Sunday the 28th, which is just under that period, grace period. So um, as of hopefully, and I'm trying to find out some more information there, their respective players will line up for their teams, which I'm sure will be a huge bolster to the success of the club. And number one, number two, getting some more people out to the grounds to watch the local leagues, which would be fantastic. Indeed, and slightly different to uh, over here in Victoria, where, of course, uh, we started back in May and some of the women's players returned early, or uh, over in other states where um, it started back uh, in uh, late, oh, pardon me, in early April, and uh, some players even started playing from round one, but, of course, uh, all depending on how they were feeling coming out of the AFLW season. Now, talking AFLW, some news out of the Crows over the last few days. Oh, where do I start? Well, I'll start with the earlier news and then build up to the big one that uh, broke uh, today with that. So we had Chelsea Randall, All-Australian and co-captain of the Crows. She signed up, which is absolutely fabulous. And Sarah Kex-Perfing, another All-Australian and our leading goal kicker, is also signed up for 2018, which is absolutely fabulous. And I can't wait for those girls to go around again. But, of course, the big news, Erin uh, Phillips, who, as of last week when we spoke, um, had her wings clipped, literally, 
And we thought, okay, she's retiring from the WNBA. She must have thought retirement's a bit passe, or B, she's going to do anything to get out of changing nappies. But um, she's been picked up by the Dallas Wings as a director of player and franchise development. And she'll be doing that up until November, which is the part I enjoy most because she's coming back and has signed up for 2018 with the Adelaide Crows, which she's already tweeted she could not imagine playing anywhere else. Um, on top of that, just because obviously she doesn't have enough to do and with twins there is a lot of napping, she'll also be involved with the Crows and the AFL in off-field marketing and commercial activities. And just again, because she needs to keep it going, I think this is absolutely an amazing uh, position for her. She's going to be a high-performance coach with the AFL. So she'll be working with the country's best junior players, boys and girls academies. And she'll be doing things like attending camps, mentoring players, and working with other coaches, which I think is going to be a great thing moving forward, not only for her career, but all the future stars with the AFL. And, inter- and interesting to see on that point, just quickly, um, uh, there was a pic of her online about a day or two ago, um, heading along to watch the US AFL over there in uh, Texas, uh, where the yes, Austin the Crows Austin were Crows. playing. Mm-hmm. They um, actually sent her out a tweet and said, if you're in the area, please show up. And so she's been the true champion that she is. She did, uh, which I thought was an absolutely fantastic thing for her to go there and be with the boys. And by the sound of it, they offered her, you know, a pair of shoes to see if she can put them on and go for a run with them as well. Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. And I've actually put a tweet out there via Girls Play Footy, yet to be responded by Erin. Let's hope it's a surprise at the last second. But uh, I said that if she's there up until uh, the start of November in uh, the Uh US, uh, don't forget Uh that there's the USAFL Nationals on in San Diego on the weekend of October 21-22. So if you'd want to pop by and maybe be a guest speaker at that event. Oh, that'd be perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would you'd, be. You'd sign her up. <laughs> it, it, it would be sensational if she could show up, but of course, who knows what uh, life's got planned for her as uh, uh, she transitioned uh, out of that post WNBA season and the off-field role, of course, over to uh, her commitments with AFLW. So uh, certainly, plenty and happening there in uh, SA land. There's also one more thing there with Erin, just because you know she still likes to keep the ball rolling. Um, I saw her. Tweet, I think, come out as well. She got asked about the basketball. She hasn't given up on her basketball dream and she's keeping the Olympics alive for 2018 as well. Well, that's excellent to hear, particularly uh, for those that love following the uh, Opals. Of course, the next Olympics rolling around in uh, 2020, but I believe there's also commitments, mm-hmm. I think, with the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in 2018. Oh, okay. I think there's also that the basketball. That must be where I've there. got my wires crossed. Yeah, sure. That, that's it. Sorry, the Commonwealth Games. I got a bit ahead of myself and made it a bit bigger than it actually was. But I'm pretty sure that the um, Commonwealth Games will be absolutely amazing. And then fingers crossed for her, depending on obviously where she's at and hopefully still playing for the Crows and winning premierships with us, um, as whether she can be the Opals for the Olympics as well. Alison, once again, just before we let you go, where can everyone catch the Two Crows podcast? Okay, so for us, if you um, go on to at Two Crows Podcast um, or just simply look for the hashtag Two Crows, that's T-W-O Crows, and you can find us there. We put out our weekly podcast with all things AFL, AFLW, local leagues and SNFL. 
Thanks again, Alison, for your company this week, and we look forward to catching up with you next week to review round one of the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1. Thank you for having me, Peter. Time to now talk women's footy in the Big V, and I've got on the line co-founder of Girls Play Footy in Matt Marsden. Matty, how are you? Very well, Pete. Thank you very much for having me. Let's have a look at round three action. It kicks off with our RSN Carnival match of the round on Saturday, 11 a.m. start. Yes, we're up at Sparrows to uh, call Box Hill Hawks versus St Kilda at Box Hill City Oval. Yeah, the early mornings are certainly something a bit different, but a clash that probably uh, a lopsided clash as we will expect it to be. Box Hill haven't been up to scratch as maybe some wider media outlets have predicted. And St Kilda, they've sort of ridden the wave of uh, the highs and lows in the early season, a one-point win in round one, and then the, the narrow five-point loss last round. Well, you'd have to say St Kilda Sharks definitely going in to be favourites with that one. I mean, the good news of Box Hill is after not kicking a goal in that first game against Shalom, they did get on the scoreboard and they were a little bit more competitive against the Spurs. Yeah, and, and look, it's probably going to be a season of little wins for a team that is uh, maybe punching above its weight a little bit. Certainly in the first season, while things uh, come together in in the uh, in the new club and. Um, you know, as we expect, St Kilda's probably going to be an uphill uphill struggle for Box Hill. VU Western Spurs versus Melbourne Uni, uh, Saturday 2pm at uh, Henry Turner uh, Oval in Footscray. Uh, both of these teams at the moment, after the two rounds, obviously undefeated. That's it, and I think uh, we, we really expected Melbourne Uni to be up there, but VU Western Spurs, this is the chance where we're going to get the opportunity to see where the Spurs are at. They've been on a low for a couple of seasons. They started to make a bit of a comeback last year, and now obviously two from two so far this year, coming against what we probably would call the flag favourite in Melbourne Uni. This is a chance to really see where the Spurs are at. Let's have a look. Also Saturday at 2pm at Plenty War Memorial Park. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Diamond Creek have bounced back. They're back. They're taking on their old rival, Darabin. And it's uh, maybe uh, not not the situation we usually expect between uh, Diamond Creek and Darabin. We've come to really be used to Darabin having the ascendancy and, you know, you probably always tick off Darabin as the likely winners, but Maybe not so much the case this weekend when we look at Diamond Creek. They've got that energy back. They've got a, a lot of players that were missing last year and they've got that, they seem like a rejuvenated side, whereas Darabin, it was a real shock to the system that round one win and it took until the last quarter to really get going against the Eastern Devils last weekend. Cranbourne hosts the Geelong Cats at Frankenholmes Oval in uh, Cranbourne as part of the Casey Fields Complex, 2pm Sunday. Uh, intriguing game, this one. Uh, Cranbourne, which would be hoping for improvement out of for this season, seem to be struggling out of the blocks, while the Geelong Cats have, have blown everyone away uh, with their first two wins. Yeah, it's a bit of a confusing one, Cranbourne. And I suppose we, we when uh, last year the teams that were in the lower half, you'd expect them to be making a bit of improvement. But Cranbourne just really struggled in rounds one and two. Coming up against Geelong, uh, very much like the, the Western Spurs Melbourne Uni game, it's it's a chance for Cranbourne to really see where they're at. We're against Geelong, who is obviously a new side. They're flying two from two, but they haven't really had much competition. Cranbourne can provide that competition. And uh, finally, our uh, Sunday match of the round here on uh, RSN Carnival, uh, the girlsplayfooty.com match of the day, Eastern Devils and Seaford Tigerettes at Mulgrave Reserve, Sunday 2pm. And Eastern Devils, uh, they'd have a fire inside their bellies that you could not 
measure in any form because a couple of weeks in a row they've just lost and you know they're wanting to really get that first win on the board and kickstart their season. Uh, whereas Seaford just again they seem like they're stuck in in first gear. A, a very lopsided result against Geelong in round two where we probably expected them to be a more, bit more competitive. So you know Seaford again like a couple of the other teams, the chance to see where they are at against the team that. They'll be coming out to fire the devil. Thanks again for your time, Matt. We look forward to catching up with you throughout season 2017. And a quick reminder, our matches of the day on RSN Carnival for the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. From 10am on Saturday, we bring you the Box Hill Hawks versus St Kilda Sharks. And from 1pm on Sunday, we bring you the Eastern Devils versus Seaford Tigerettes. That wraps up the show for another week. Until next time, I've been Peter Holden, and it's bye for now.